Welcome to the Strides with Gray Wolf podcast with your host, Nate Reich. This podcast was created to share athlete stories on their road to the 2020 Paralympic and Olympic Games with the hope of motivating and inspiring the next generations of athletes. Throughout this podcast, we will discuss topics such as adversity, success, mindset, the peaks and valleys of sport, plus much more. This episode was one of my favorites yet. Just two Cali kids happened to chat. Talking with Maddie Price gave me so much perspective. We talk about everything from loss to adversity to patience, her garden, her family, women in sport, her inner circle, and we have plenty of laughs, many that stem from our technological difficulties. Welcome back or welcome to the Strides with Grey Wolf podcast. I am your host, Nate Grey Wolf. You are here because you believe disability is an inability. This podcast was created to tell Olympic and Paralympic athletes stories on the road to Tokyo and beyond. Today, I have a very special guest, self-described foodie, Maddie Price. Maddie is a 400-meter sprinter for Canada with a blazing PB of 51.56. Maddie went to Duke for undergrad, and I promise I won't hold that against you too much. While at Duke, Maddie was the first team All-American in the 4x4 on multiple occasions, All-ACC in the Open 4, and All-ACC academic for indoor and outdoor track. On top of that, Maddie represented Canada on the international stage multiple times at the IAAF Relays, Fizu World University Games, and Athletics World Championships at the end of the year of 2019. It's clear that Maddie has had tremendous success on the track, but two things stuck out to me in her interactions, her character and her, vo- her vulnerability. Not only highlights the perks are the peaks, but also the valleys. Without further ado, welcome the very talented Maddie Price to the Strides with Great Wolf podcast. Welcome. How are you doing? Having me, Nate. This is sweet. I'm honored to be here. <laughs> of course, of course. The most important question we're going to ask the entire time is how's the garden doing? What's the garden update? We know everyone wants to hear that. Come on. <laughs> oh, I appreciate that. Honestly, those garden updates have been such a fun thing. Like, I just started a garden at the beginning of quarantine because um, I was kind of like, I need some hobbies, like, like everybody looking for something to do a little bit, training, slow down my injury. Um, but the garden right now is not looking good. That is the most recent update because the frost and the cold weather here, not that it gets that cold in North Carolina, but it kind of got to the vegetables. So I have to like clip a few last little cayenne boys and then <laughs> the garden's probably done for the winter. Oh. We'll grow again later. So <laughs> thanks for following along with the garden updates. I know that's been, <laughs> it's been fun. Come on. That's, that's <laughs> been like the thing I've been looking forward to. I was like, all right, we got to have Maddie's update on the garden. Like, come on, come on now. Oh, if this was like a video thing, if it wasn't a podcast. I'd give you a little tour right now. <laughs> oh, oh, I love it. I love it. And I believe in order to go forward, you must first go back. And I would love to dive into your story. As I learned researching you, you grew up in Hillsborough, California. Uh, for those who aren't familiar with California, Hillsborough is just outside of San Fran. And what was it like growing in your house in your household? I've always been intrigued because my household was so vastly different from my friends. Um, mm-hmm. We had people waking up at 5 a.m. doing sprints in the streets, and just my family is all athletes. So I'm just really curious, like, how was it growing up in your household? 
Yeah, that's a great question. I love that. Um, yeah, my household was somewhat similar. So I have a younger sister named Nikki, who's two years younger than me. And so growing up, we were very, very close, played all of our sports together, really just like played off each other, of course, fought over like she stole my t-shirt or something to wear at school, especially middle school, high school, you know. Um, but my dad raced cars professionally and raced motorcycles off-road as well um, for a while. So he was an athlete his whole life. And so he and my mom just like threw us into sports, kind of similar to, to your story of people waking up sprinting at 5 a.m. I think I would always be playing basketball out in the backyard um, in our driveway in the street with my dad and playing street hockey, obviously with the Canadian roots there. So, um, but then my mom kind of brought the whole artistic side of it. She loves to paint, not really an athlete at all. Um, so we'd go camping, um, paint a lot. So my household was kind of a, a mix of those two. Um, but yeah, my sister and I, I think kept it fun. We were always running around climbing trees, like love to be outside, especially California in the Bay area. We were really, really lucky with some good weather out there. So, um, yeah. Yeah, California is just so, so beautiful. And where did track and field come into that angle? Like a lot of times track and field isn't the most like sexy sport out there, um, but it's, you know, it's in every sport. It's pretty much in every sport. So, um, yeah, how did you get involved in track? Yeah, I actually started playing a bunch of different sports. So I grew up playing soccer and basketball were my main two growing up for the longest time. I thought I was going to play soccer. My mom actually sent me the other day. This is so funny. I should send it to you. It's hilarious. My mom found this um, piece of paper that I had written when I was younger. And at the top, it said, win an Olympic medal in. And then underneath, in really big writing, it said soccer. And then in like little writing, it said or basketball. And then in really, really little in the corner, you see or track and field. And so it's so funny to look back at that and be like, okay, I think from a young age, I always wanted to, I had these high performance goals, which like, I'm so grateful for my parents and coaches for supporting that and even allowing me to have the vision and, and goals to do that. Um, but soccer was really the main sport where a soccer coach in middle school was like, hey, you got some speed. And then like, you should try track. So I tried it out. I had a little bit of speed, got thrown into the 400, which was one of those ones where I was like, I wish I could be a hundred meter or 200 meter runner sometimes. But yeah, especially when you have longer distance, even with your 1500 meters. So I don't know how you do it. Man. I know I was, I was going to ask you how you chose the four because the four for me was my first love. Actually, the four is what I, what I started in. Um, my biological dad being a hundred and javelin thrower, my mom being a 400 hurdler i was um yeah not trying to do the longer distances um but you know after my injury it kind of was chosen for me so yeah. to say but uh how did you choose the four honestly i kind of am with you in that it kind of chose me a little bit too like i think i wanted to do some of the sprints um i started off running cross country actually in in middle school as well so kind of ran cross country ran track um, but once I, I hurt my hips slightly and my coach was like, Hey, let's just try these sprints. So once I was in the sprints, it was just like, there's something simultaneously so exciting and like a little terrifying in training for like hundreds of seconds, right. For just like pushing your body to the absolute limit where you hit that lactic so hard at the end. And it's just like, it's so rewarding at the end of it. So I think the 400 just got me so excited that it's this sprint, but it has a little bit more of, um, kind of like a grittier taste in your mouth at the end of a 400 compared yeah. to some of the other sprints is like a way I like to describe it. So I think as an athlete, one of my, I would almost say strong suits is just like, I think I have a, hot, a lot of heart when I race. And so I think the 400 has suited me well, hopefully in that way. Um, and it's just developed ever since, but 
there's still a part of me that I think would like to be a hundred meter runner. So. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely i think i think there's a little part in uh all of us track athletes who don't run the 100 who would absolutely love to run the 100 um, and as you said like when you were little you wrote down these goals that you want to win olympic medals and you know i was i read this uh, this book by matthew mcconaughey called green light and it really made me reflect on just the things that my mom and stepdad taught me mm -hmm. and um along the way i just have so much gratitude for the lessons they taught me, but not specifically for their words, but because of the actions that backed up those words. And it's so mm -hmm. evident from our conversation this far and just your social media, how impactful your family has been on you. And what are some of those lessons that they taught you that have just made a lasting impact and that you've carried uh, along on your entire journey? Yeah, that's an awesome question. Before I answer it, this is just kind of because it's a conversation. I almost want to like flip it back on you real quick. Um, you want to share like a lesson that Cause you were talking about how your family's impacted you so much and I don't even know too much about your story too. So could you share yeah. one with me and then I'll share. Cause I just like, this yeah, is like, yeah. I want to get to know you too. <laughs> yeah, 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 absolutely. So um, I don't know if you know anything about my family history, but I think I have nine or 10 professional athletes in my family. Mm -hmm. um, and so um, basically I was born when they all were training for the Olympics, professional baseball um, and all of that. And so I just remember um, a lot of parents have to preach like you have to work hard, you have to work hard. But every morning at 5am, we would all be in the gym, we would all be racing, going down, going down the street. Um, and so that was like one thing I was really thankful for. Um, and then I think the other lesson is that my mom never let me use my disability as a handicap. Mm -hmm. uh, my mom always said, like, even Obviously, junior high, as you know, isn't the best time uh, to get injured. And um, she always said, like, I don't care if you get things done slower, but you will get it done. And you're built for this. Like, like you got this. And so I think the doctor's telling me I can't do things. I was just so lucky to have a mom that she's so blunt, like just, just <laughs> crazy blunt and just like, like. I had a bad race. She's like, well, that sucked. Or like, <laughs> if you, if you don't win, you have to walk home. That was like a quote that she would always, <laughs> always say to me. And so I know, I know you asked for one, but those are the, the no. two that really popped up in my head. That's awesome. I love it. Yeah. To your point, I think parents for me, similarly, um, just got really lucky of just how supportive they were. I think, my dad, especially in him being an athlete as well at like the elite level, he was like one of the first Canadians to ever finish one of the world's toughest like motocross races across um, Sahara Desert in Africa. It's called the Paris to Dakar. I think now it's through Portugal and then into Africa as well. And so just seeing him as a little girl, like train so hard and dedicate so much to sport. And then also um, in the business world as well, um, just seeing him kind of give everything and then had a really, really terrible injury. And so also like watching him come back from that injury and immediately kind of already looking to like, okay, how can I get better? Like, how can I just improve? Um, just like a never stop growing mindset, I think from my dad and never really being afraid to try, um, just always trying. And, and if you fail, it's just another opportunity to stand up stronger. So I think that especially from my dad um, was, was huge. And then 
got really lucky with some coaches along the way. My coach now is actually the same coach that coached me in high school, um, which was really special that he just ended up being like coming to Duke um, and then ended up being a volunteer assistant coach. And then now coaches the sprints like years later. So it's been a very cool progression having someone who cares about you as more than just an athlete. I think that's so important when you have that relationship of no matter what happens on the track, um, they're proud of you, they care about you. And, and that's the most important, like we're, we're humans first and then we're athletes, right? So um, it's been a really special relationship to grow with uh, my coach as well. Yeah, no, that's super cool. Cause I feel like a lot of times Canadian athletes don't want to go to the States cause they feel like they're just going to be a, be a, be a number. And that's yeah. so cool to hear that your experience at Duke was anything but that. Definitely. Definitely. I think even with all my teammates at Duke too, like it really was such a family, um, which was cool, especially in an individual sport like track, um, just being able, especially our four by four, like just being able to compete alongside them and, and push each other in practice and then go through, of course, as you know, the ups and downs of um, being a student athlete in college. It's so challenging. There's so many times where I was like wanting to cry, like crying to my mom, like, you know, it's, it's, um, it's a challenge, but being alongside other people that are pushing you and also able to kind of have those hard conversations when you need to is so important. Yeah, no, that you're right. That is so important. And that's backpedal a little bit to high school. Mm -hmm. um, from my research, I it said that you did basketball as well in high school. And how do you think that not narrowly focusing on just solely track um, has helped your long your longevity and honestly just your passion for sport um, mm -hmm. because I've just seen so many of my friends just get so burned out because like they just focus so much on track and field. Yeah, yeah, no, it's awesome. Um, yeah, I think one just being in team sports like basketball, um, just having like a common goal, like you're working so hard for the girls next to you. I remember our coach used to line us up; we'd have to do free throws, and if one of the girls missed the, the free throw, we would all have to do liners. And it's one of those things where like you're trying to perform to like allow your team to um, finish practice and go home. And so you want to like be the best for those people next to you. So I think just learning how to work as a team, to work with a lot of different personalities, um, a lot of different ways of motivating people um, were some of the biggest things for me, especially in basketball and soccer that have carried through. Um, yeah. And then just the people, I think that's the biggest thing that I've, I've tried to focus on throughout my journey and throughout my life too, is just, if you're like going at it alone, if you're alone on your journey, like it's not that fun. You're not going to get very far. Whereas like, if you have a team behind you, no matter what it is now, like now our team, a lot of times, especially in track ends up being a couple of our training partners, our coach, maybe our family, a couple of friends. But when you're younger and you have those team sports, it's really clear um, who those people are. And so I think taking those lessons from the team sports and building a team around you now and like pulling those people in and really cherishing those connections when you have them has been a skill that I think I'll carry with me from team sports growing up. Yeah, I know. And it's, and it's so funny, like you talked about, about motivation. It is so interesting how different athletes just tick with like different things. Like I think the best coaches are like pull different things for different athletes, which is something that my coach Heather um, does for me all the time. And she knows that I need a swift kick in the butt sometimes. And so um, she definitely um, does that. And um, does your coach um, really like treat different athletes differently, just like motivating wise? Yeah, I would say so. I think he's grown a lot over time to be able to um, personalize that so much more. I think that's just like a development of any coach, of any athlete. Um, 
yeah, because I think there are certain kids that just like need a little bit more, um, like either need to be yelled at and be like, hey, let's freaking go. Like you got to turn it up. Like let's run fast or like need a little bit more of, okay, I believe in you. I know that you can run fast. So like, let's go out and do it. And like that kind of more positive reinforcement. So it just depends. My coach is definitely someone who doesn't give a lot of um, praise super easily, which I think for me can be a little tough sometimes because I'm a very positive person, I, I like to say. So sometimes I think I'm like, hey, coach, could I have like, did I do that drill well? Like sometimes I need a little more, <laughs> but I think it's good because then when you do something well, you know, you did it well, you know, cause he says something and he doesn't say something a lot. Right. So yeah. Is Heather like that for you? Like, how is, how is your coaching relationship like that for you? Yeah, definitely. So I'm obviously you not knowing me like uh crazy. Well, I'm a big jokester. Like I just like to have fun and I like joke around. Um, and so sometimes she just needs to hone me in and be like, Nate, like, like let's not do a million things at one time. And so she's, a lot of people see her as like this really, really sweet person. And she is extremely sweet, but I always tell her, I have the same smile as you, Heather. I know, I, I know, I know what's behind that. I was like, I know you have a huge feisty side. And so it's funny. I, I just try to make her laugh at practice, but no, there's, there's definitely times when she's like, Nate, come on, let's come back to center. You're good. You're not that stressed out. Like, like, like life's fine. And so I think sometimes I just get pulled in so many different, different directions. So it's, uh, it's tough at times. Yeah. Yeah. But it's a good problem to have. I think being like passionate or like having kind of, I mean, I'm similar. I'm like really kind of scatterbrained like this as well. Like I'm always like, Oh, look at how cool this thing is too. So I think it's a good problem to have because then you have these amazing things that you can create or do or, um, so it's nice to have a coach that can like reel you in sometimes. I don't know. <laughs> Instead of you having to like always reel yourself like this. Yeah, no, absolutely. And before we talk about your college days, I'd like to talk about adversity. And adversity is a topic that's been talked on so much on this podcast with par with Paralympic and Olympic athletes. Like everyone has their adversity. And if they haven't had it yet, they're going to have it. Um, and I simply believe that your struggles today will turn turn into blessings down the road. And as an outsider, it seemed like your injury was challenging. I could, you know, only see from the outside. But uh, what have you learned on the back of your injury that you just went through? Yeah, good question. I think um, this injury on the back end of it has taught me patience. And I think that's something that we all have learned throughout COVID in general, but I think it was like a little bit of a double whammy having COVID hit and then my injury on top of that, um, of just like not rushing into it and like trusting that the doctors, that my coach, my PT um, are going to like help me get to where I need to be when the time's right. Like that's really part of it is kind of having the tunnel vision to say, yeah, it might be a little bit quote unquote behind. There are going to be other girls sprinting and racing probably before I do. I might not even run indoor. Who knows, right? But just trusting that when the time comes, when Olympic trials is when I get on the line there, like I'll be ready, right? Like I'll get to the line with no regrets because I'll have done everything in my power to um, put myself in the best opportunity to succeed. Um, so I think that whole notion of like getting to the line with no, no regrets and having patience with myself with my body, really learning how to rest. Um, Cause I know that's hard for a lot of us athletes. <laughs> um, so those are the big ones I think. Yeah. Yeah, I know it. Patience is such a funny thing because we live in this like Instagram, Twitter world where like everything's so instant, but in sport, like 
sometimes it can happen fast, but sometimes, man, it, like you can't PB for two or three years and it's just like you're banging your head against the wall. And it's, it's so interesting because now I, COVID obviously uh, had me take the, like this long-term approach. Like now, now I almost write goals down to forget them so yeah. that they're just there. And I just think about the day, the day, the day to day. And I don't worry about Tokyo. I'm like, all right, I just need to focus on what I'm, what, what I'm going to do today. But it's funny. Like if you had talked to me a year ago, all I would talk about is Tokyo. So it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's funny how, uh, how patients come into the play for sure. Definitely. Yeah. One of my favorite mottos is day by day. And I say it all the time because that's it truly is like it's the little things that you do. And something that I think I've, I've been somewhat open about on my Instagram too. I've talked with other athletes. I know Caroline Earhart, um, the jumper as well. Like a bunch of people have talked about this, but it's this concept of like loss. So my dad passed away about three years ago from cancer. And it was like such a, a crazy point in my life where I think I had such a struggle getting back on the track because um, he was such a big part of track, such a big part of sport, um, like kind of motivation, fuel, like it's just all of those um, amazing like support systems that I was really, really lucky to have. And so having that kind of disappear so quickly was was really challenging. But I think it forced me to understand that you have to have like this inner belief and confidence that comes from you first. And like, there's always going to be these amazing lights in your life. Um, no matter where they are, whether that's your coach, Heather, whether that's, um, your, your mom, like whatever it is for any of us, you always have those lights in your life. But at the end of the day, like who's going to get you down the track? Like it is going to be you. Right. So I think that was one other big thing that I learned, um, in the face of this adversity and in the face of loss, just being like, okay, we can use, the lessons that these people taught us and like the light that they gave us. But at the end of the day, like we have to try and believe fully in ourselves and, and trust that we're going to get the job done and it's going to be us at the end of the day. So um, yeah, that was one other thing that I was thinking about and have had some cool conversations with other athletes about, because I think a lot of those struggles can be hidden um, when you just see the athletes perform on the highest level, but don't necessarily see some of the smaller struggles or the human side of, of what happens at high performance. So yeah, and I feel like sometimes the awareness takes a long time, like for that, for you to fully understand that. And uh, for me, just like my mom, like she was basically because I couldn't talk after my injury very well. Yeah. Um, I could barely talk. And so my mom was like, she would do almost everything for me. Like she yeah. would, I, I wouldn't order at the restaurant. I wouldn't call on the phone. I wouldn't talk to her concerned because I wouldn't talk in class. Mm -hmm. uh, I stuttered so bad. Um, and so that, like that was like my like, uh, like, going away from her moving up to Canada, it was like that separation and being like, all right, I'm my own person. I'm not who she wishes I was. I'm not who I want to be. I'm actually like who I am. Yeah. So like really coming to terms with that, I think uh, can be challenging and everyone deals with it different ways. And um, one thing that I've dealt with, like when I, when, when I get injured for some reason, I always go back to my why and I'm really like I kind of reconstruct it and it seems like every time I have an injury which seems like three to four years I have like something big um, and then I like rethinking it kind of evolves um, when when you were injured did you kind of rethink about that or did you really pull on that when you know days aren't always easy yeah no that's awesome um, first of all I just wanted to reiterate and say it's so true that it doesn't happen overnight like any of what we're talking about it, oh, it takes time and so that process is just yeah it's such a key point so I love that you brought that up um especially in your journey but 
Yeah, I would say I definitely reworked my why a little bit. Um, I think before, similar to you, it was just kind of easy to have these bigger goals, right? Like going back to that piece of paper, I want to win an Olympic medal. Like that felt like, oh, this was my why. But really reworking it and, and saying, okay, my why is to try and like be the best that I can be, right? Like reach your potential and empower others along the way, right? And inspire others along the way and like being able to do both and really invest in the people along your journey as well was a big part of it. Like I've talked about people so much, but that was really like the biggest part of kind of reworking and really thinking about my why at the end of the day was just like, okay, how do I become my best self? How do I inspire others to do the same? And then how do I engage with and connect with these amazing, amazing people along the way? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's funny, like how if instead of like focusing on the what, if you actually focus on the why, mm -hmm. I feel like it's so much easier to get out of bed every day. And for me, like I wanted to focus on something bigger than myself. So the the, the Paralympic movement, I'm never going to be bigger than that, never going to be close. And so that's something that like when I when I don't want to run, I'm like, seriously, like what about the next generation of athletes? You don't want to help them out. And it seems to snap me out of it very, 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 very fast. Um, and so ha have you ever like really focused on something that's just like bigger than yourself and just something that you just really want to either further or just improve? Yeah. I mean, the, I would say the biggest thing recently has just been like women in sports and especially like younger women. Um, I worked with an organization called Can Fund, who I know you are very familiar with and recent, is it recent? Was that your first time being a recipient as well? Correct. correct. That's amazing. Congratulations. Oh, thank cool. you. Thank yeah. You. But I guess for those who are listening and who don't know, Can Fund um, is an amazing organization that um, helps support Canadian athletes. Um, I got to work with them over the summer on their 150 women side. So that's just female donors to female athletes. Um, and it really just truly embodies women supporting women. And so talking with so many female donors and then also female athletes, just understanding how important it was to have like visibility within sport and um, just to have role models um, on the female stage, especially like how much female sport and women in sport has grown and just like the media that has now started to cover women's sport way more. And so I think that's been cool working with 150 women and, and really getting to to shine a light on that, interview a bunch of athletes, uh, kind of similar to what, what you're doing. And um, so that's been a big, a big push for me and a part of my why for sure. Yeah, I was actually super interested because that was actually one of my questions to ask you about mm -hmm. female sport because I'm the I'm an older brother to two younger sisters. And yes. um, you know, I think it's so important for them to have role models in sport and business or whatever profession they choose to actually look like them. Um, and so, um, you know, I think that's so important. Like growing up, I always tried to, um, the joke is that I was raised by women because I, my, I, my mom had me when she was in college, but all of her teammates would help raise me at Fresno state. Um, and so like, I really, really tried to push to have strong females around me because I just, I think it makes me a better person, but um, I'm curious, do you have some advice uh, for the next generation of female athletes in sport? Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I know. It's an amazing question. Um, yeah. I would say number one is just like, no matter what people tell you, no matter what you see, like just keep working and like know that you can make it. Like, I think just, believing full-heartedly I think there were so many times growing up and in high school and middle school where um I kind of got to this place where I sort of thought I belonged like my first time walking into state championships 
didn't think I belonged at all. Like didn't believe that I was meant to be there. And so just even if you have to kind of fake it till you make it and just like carry that confidence, carry that belief and just understand that confidence is, if you think about it as a way of thinking rather than a feeling, you can control your thoughts so much more than you can control the way you feel, right? So if I can think that I'm feeling really confident and feeling good in my training, that's so much easier than saying, oh, I feel really confident today because our feelings and our emotions, they go in and out, they ebb and flow. But our thoughts, like we have a lot of control over, right? So I think to young female athletes, just thinking confident, um, really instilling that belief, um, whether that's from motivational figures, role models, your training, um, your mom, your dad, whatever it is, just like really finding that spark. Yeah, no, thank you for sharing that. That's, I think, so important for people to understand. And like you said, when you were nervous going to state, and I mean, CIS state is a big deal. I mean, it's not like there's 10 different divisions like i guess like let's do this thing yeah. like it's it's big deal <laughs> yeah no it's so true it was yeah i remember getting to college and all these other kids at duke had had been state champions um in their respective states and i got second my senior year um to a freshman actually who she ran the number one time in the country and i ran the number four time in the country and like looking at all the other states, I think I, I might have won state in like almost every other state except for like a few, like maybe like Florida, Texas or something. And so it was just it's crazy the the level that California state is at and um, definitely prepares you for sure. Yeah, I know. It's crazy. Just the quantity of just good, good athletes is, yeah. is, is so crazy. And now let's go back to your journey a little bit. Um, so like I said, you were born, you lived in California growing up and what made you choose Duke because um you know California is so awesome has great weather to train and Duke's across the country and I know your family is really important to you so mm -hmm. uh, what was that decision like yeah that decision um was very much based on I wanted to I mean one I felt really lucky to be able to look at schools like Duke I think one just like track wise like that helped me up so much just being able to like running that fast I was like oh my gosh this like kind of opened some doors to like looking at, at schools like that and I think academics were really important to me like I really I really enjoyed school and so when I got the opportunity to look at Duke um, to look at some of the Ivy Leagues it just became clear that Duke had a really good balance between it feels like a big school with, with the basketball, it has a lot of school spirit, um, but yet it's also a, a great academic school and um, they're in the ACC, has a great team. So my parents were really awesome in, in trying to like, I think push my sister and I to say, hey, you can always like hopefully come back to California one day, like home will be here. We want you guys to like kind of spread your wings um, to experience something new. And, and if you have the opportunity to do so, like why not? You know, so I was really grateful for their support and saying, try it out like let's see go go explore something new and then you can always come back you know <laughs> yeah i know no yeah home will home will always be there and it's it's so interesting because for me when i went to college um i thought i was going to accomplish so many better things or so many uh have more success than i actually did and mm -hmm. it's funny kind of looking back now on that experience it was everything i needed at the time but it wasn't what I thought it was. And so how was that transition for you from high school to, or from high school to college? Yeah, that's an amazing point. Definitely to your point, wasn't what I thought it was either. It was, it was so much harder, um, but in like amazing ways, right? It makes you like, I was not the same person from when I started to when I graduated um, in, a, in a lot of great ways. Um, I think just like one, the intensity and level of training 
ramped up a lot uh, for the better because you're able to handle that like alongside your coaches, alongside your teammates. And then just the time management, right? Being able to handle school and track at the same time, um, really just trying to, to balance it all was challenging. And then I think at Duke and a lot of colleges, a lot of like institutions across the U.S., it can be easy to feel that notion of like this effortless perfection because everybody at Duke, everybody at these amazing schools are um, very, very accomplished, right? Like they are amazing students. They're a lot of times great athletes or artists or musicians or whatever it is. So I think for a lot of kids coming in, it can feel like, wow, am I enough? And there were so many times where I felt like that too. Um, But then just, again, kind of sticking into okay, this is, these are the things that I know I'm good at and I can progress in and I can keep growing in and really just honing in on that. Um, help me and just like reaching out for help when you need it and talking to friends and finding the ways that can like make you feel like, hey, I belong here for sure. Um, yeah. How about you though in that process? Yeah, I think I went in like I wasn't that great in high school. Like I surprisingly got second at state in cross uh, cross country and they were actually there to recruit the guy who got first. And then they saw me go from like seventh to second, the last hundred meters. And they're like, oh, like, dang. And then they learned that the head coach was on the Olympic team with my dad. Mm-hmm. And so it just kind of connected there. But um, I improved a lot my freshman year. And then I just had, yeah, I just had a tough time, right? Like it's for me, it's it was always interesting because um, everyone would always tell me like how cool my injury or like how like cool it was that I recovered and all this stuff and telling me how great I was. But at the end of the day, like I had so much to work on. And so it was like me kind of not to be rude, but to like weed my way through the crap yeah. and be like, 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 yes, thank you. I appreciate that. But I'm not trying to be good. Like I'm trying to uh, be great and accomplish the things I want to accomplish. And they're not there when I'm working hard or like suffering at in practice as as you said, like you're the only one that can actually run it. Um, and so, yeah, I think that was extremely tough. And I think the next point I wanted to bring up is that success means everything to different people. Mm-hmm. Um, and what is your definition of success and how do you measure it? Because my definition of success mm-hmm. vastly changed from high school to college to where, where I'm at today. Yeah. Yeah, I think to your point, it's always changing. Um, and I hope it always changes, right? Like I I would hope that for the rest of my life, my definition of success is going to kind of shift depending on what your goals are and depending on where what phase you're at in life, right? Like one day I'd love to be a mom and like that definition of that success is going to be very different than um, what it looks like now, right? Training for the Olympics. So I think to answer your question, my definition of success now, I think I touched on it earlier, but I would feel like I was successful if I got to the starting line with no regrets, if I did everything that I could to prepare, right? Like I put my all into this preparation, into this training period, into training my mind, training my body, um, training my spirit, right? And um, just giving my all, right? Like if you give everything you have and then at the end of the day, the cards don't fall your way, um, then that's okay. That's out of your control, but you did everything you could. So I think that's my definition of success is, you know, doing everything I can and letting the cards fall where they may. And um, of course, I want to make the Olympic team. I want to stand on that podium. That would be amazing. That is that ice on the cake. That is that goal. But I think I would still feel successful if I did everything I could. I felt like I executed to the best of my ability. And, and that's, yeah, that's all you have control over.
Yeah, I know. I know it's crazy. It's like for for a long time, I would like uh, grade myself on performance. And now I decided to grade myself on how do I prepare for practice? Do I show up early for practice? Do I do all the little things? Do I roll out twice a day? Um, do I meditate? Am I working on my mental side as well? Um, and so I, I think before we go into your professional career, I think it'd be super interesting to talk about about your mindset. I was fortunate enough to be interviewing um, on the Cap Summit, interviewed four great athletes. And, and we talked about mindset. And let's say mindset is a set of beliefs that you live your life by. What are three beliefs that mean so much to you? And why are those part of your mindset? Three beliefs that are part of your mindset. Hmm. Okay, those are great. Great question. Um, yeah, I would say one, like failure and adversity are just like another opportunity to get back up stronger. Like seriously, each time that you have a setback, learning from it, growing from it, um, using it as fuel. That's one. Um, it's definitely like a core belief of mine. I think that that grittiness. Two, um, I would say just like trusting that like the path and the journey that you're on is your own unique way. Like I've said before, there's going to be four of us girls on that podium. Um, and all four of us are going to get to that podium in a very different right, way, right? We're all going to be on the same team. We're all going to be reaching for that goal together on this Canadian team, but we're all going to get there in vastly different ways, right? So just trusting that your path is unique. It is great. It's going to work out. Um, that's a core belief of mine that I know I've been, I have to remind myself of that all the time. Like I'm preaching it right now. Like it's <laughs> ingrained, but it's not right. Like that's something I'm so learning um and have to remind myself all the time um and then third about mindset yeah i think the last one's just like being open and being grateful right just open to new experiences and open to learning like no matter how good you are you're always going to be learning new things in this sport um things are always changing and then kind of in part, just like being grateful those for those opportunities to learn and for the opportunity to be out here competing and competing for our country and working towards these amazing goals. So yeah, I would say those are my three. Yeah, absolutely. I think being grateful is something I've learned during the pandemic. And it's funny, like even when days are tough for me, but I'm like, but there's worse things going on in the world than what I'm feeling. Sometimes you you can all you have such laser lenses on your eyes that sometimes you can only like think about what you're going through. So it's yeah. so interesting uh, to show gratitude or people who you're grateful for, things you're grateful for and how, how impactful that can be. Definitely. Definitely. I've been trying to do, you actually, you know, who um, taught me this practice was Greg, Greg. The five and five really helped me out. I was like, okay, five things that you're grateful for yourself like about yourself, right? That you did, or let's say it's the end of the day, five things about yourself and then five things about either external things, whether that's people, whether that's like your training environment, whatever that is. And so I've definitely tried to instill that in to practice um, in different areas. So shout out Greg for that awesome <laughs> mindfulness tip. Yeah. Oh, Mr. Greg. And before we talk about the professional career, I'm really interested. Why did you choose to run for Canada? Because I get that question all the time. And so I'm interested in being annoying to you and um, asking you uh, why you made that decision. Yeah, I think it's it's a couple of different reasons. Um, it honestly didn't even feel like that big, that much of a decision because I felt like I was already 
like I'd already wanted to compete for Canada, even when I was younger, because um, I just felt like it was such a big part of my roots and my family, all my families in Canada, like my grandparents and stuff. And so I'm going back and forth, um, like um, some summers to see them here and there. And so it just, just felt like such a big part of who my parents were and, and that roots. And so wanting to compete for that country was big. Um, and then two, just like the opportunity. Um, I look at it as like our home state, California, population is essentially the same if not a little bit bigger maybe I don't know the same as Canada right roughly um so if you look at talent pool sizing like we still have to run that standard time like to make the Olympics you got to run standard you got to be top 48 in the world still got to do it but at the end of the day if there's more opportunity to maybe be at that elite level um does that open the doors for you a little bit maybe. So I think that might've played into it a little bit when I was younger. I was also like 16 when I kind of made that choice um, to compete for Canada. So I don't really know what 16 year old Maddie was, was thinking, but I know she was excited to compete for Canada. So such a welcoming team too. It's, it's been amazing connecting with the Canadian team. It's, it's very, very special environment for sure. Oh yeah. It's such a special environment. It's, it's so funny. Like sometimes when I'm over in a different country, I always say I'm Canadian and then if someone says they like American, I'm like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I'm American too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so <laughs> I always joke. I'm like, I'm only American when it's convenient. Um, and yes. so like, I always joke around with my American teammates and American family that I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm mostly Canadian. But um, <laughs> so it's always it's 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 always super fun to joke around and have a good time with that. But um, What's let's your go answer for that. Sorry, real quick. If you want to give oh, my answer? answer? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, it's three people, actually. Hmm. Um, it's my mother who obviously God, I wouldn't be anywhere uh, near where I am today. It wasn't for her, but um, honestly, weirdly enough, the most impactful person is no longer with us. Uh, my mom's mother died of breast cancer when she was 50, when I was two or three. Um, and my mom is a very stubborn, blunt person, as we talked about earlier. And I'm told that nanny Liz was even more of a blunt person and more of an ambitious person. And um, that's why I really wanted to compete for Canada. And then my grandpa Jim played in the NHL and played with Wayne Gretzky and Bobby Orr. And nice. um, yeah. And so I think, and seeing how proud my grandpa was to be yeah. Canadian, like he would never live in the States. Like, no way. Like, he is <laughs> so proud to be Canadian. Yeah. And so that's just something that I wanted when that flag went up. I wanted, you know, it to be that special. And I'm sure you feel the same way. Like US has done so many great, wonderful things for me. Uh, but at the end of the day, like you said, it wasn't much of a decision yeah. uh, for yeah. me personally. And so, yeah, that's why I, that's why I decided to, you know, rep the leaf. And, you know, it's, it's been such a great experience because I get to meet people like you and, yeah. you know, many of our teammates, which I'm so lucky that our training camps are um, para and able body or Olympic stream. Yes which is, that was definitely a big reason. Like I, I didn't want to be excluded um, yeah. because I feel like growing up, I was put in those boxes at times. Um, and so I kind of wanted to, wanted to get out of that box. So definitely. It was such a special thing that Canada does that. It's so cool. I love that they do. Yeah. No, to meet athletes from every, like just from everywhere, such different experiences, like different races, like whatever it's. Yeah. It's so cool. Yeah. Yeah. It is, it is super cool. And uh, now let's go to you graduated from Duke um, and you're looking to run professional. And I feel like it's 50-50 athletes go or stay. And uh, before I interview, I didn't know that your coach was also your high school coach. But what went into that decision staying? Because, you know, there's a lot of positives staying with your coach. And then, you know, 
mixing things up. It seems like athletes do that at some point during their career to freshen things up. Um, even if that's just a training camp getting away for a couple months or, um, but yeah, what went into that decision staying in, in, uh, Durham? In Durham. Yeah. Um, I think one, I ended up applying for a grad program, um, at Duke for like the year after so the year after graduated, I did a grad program in the business school. Um, it was like a master's in management studies. And so part of that plan, that was only two years. So I got to in 2018. So it was two years out to the Olympics to 2020. Um, and so I was like, okay, perfect. I'll do this grad year and then I'll have one year to the Olympics. And so kind of staying with my coach, staying in the Duke environment felt like a little bit of a no brainer because I felt like I progressed so well um, under my coach, Mark Mueller, and um, with the amazing like facilities and staff and team to train alongside of at Duke, it just felt like, okay, this is home to me. You know, I, I'm an environment for athletes is so important. So it really feeling like I'm happy. I um, love training here. Like the weather's really good. It gets so humid in the summer. <laughs> yeah, just kind of all of those factors really played a huge role in me wanting to stay and, and feeling like, hey, I can be my best self here. Um, and sure, I think there's opportunity where a change will be um, on the horizon. Sure. But at the time and like gearing up for 2021, like very happy staying in Durham and training alongside. I have two other training partners that are also post-collegiate two American athletes as well um, who I run alongside of out here as well which is which is great to a 400 mini runner so there's three or four of us out here um, which is nice having those training partners other than the Duke team but the Duke team was was great as well yeah I mean yeah. having training partners is always great and I yeah. always say like happy runner is a fast runner yes. and so I think that's like happiness is so important and that's that's something that's different for for everyone and um, you know, talking about good performances, let's 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 talk about world champs. Mm -hmm. um, it was in Qatar, which obviously our worlds were in UAE. So mm -hmm. a little bit different vibe, a little bit different culture uh, at times, maybe didn't feel like world world championships, at least for me. Mm. Um, what was that experience for you? Yeah, I mean, it was yeah my first world champs, um, like my first experience on the world stage was only like a couple months earlier, um, at least for the senior team on like the real world stage was at world relays. Um, so yeah, and Qatar was a really cool, amazing experience just because it was okay. This is my first world champs. Like we're among the best of the best. Um, and being able to compete in three events was just a dream come true. Like if you told me like, you're going to go to the world champs and compete in three different events, I would have been like, Psh. Well, you're just, I'll just compete in the four by four. Right. But I think I, I had known that I'd, I'd wanted to compete in the open and got a really awesome opportunity to do so competed in the mixed relay, which was such a dynamic and fun event. Like I cannot wait for that to be in the Olympics too. And, um, running alongside Austin and Ayana and Phil, um, setting the Canadian national record was just like a high, we were one spot out of the final. And so that was like a bittersweet moment, right. Of like, Oh my gosh, we just set the Canadian record. Like, this is amazing. But also we're like that close. Um, so I think, yeah, a lot of motivation moving forward and same for our women's four by four, like we've all talked about in a bunch of different interviews and, and over the time, like we're ready to be on the podium. Like we're ready to get a medal. Um, they were so close in Rio in 2016. I barely missed the team then, but then we've got like fourth at world relays and fifth at world champs. And we're just like, we're just tipping the surface, right? Like we're, we're right there. Um, so being able to make that world champs final and race along those side, those girls and got fifth, but then had the DQ. So that was 
bit heartbreaking as well. So World Champs was like a, it was a roller coaster, right? With all these <laughs> amazing things, but then kind of challenging lessons to learn, but happy we're learning them now. Um, and we'll be ready for, for Tokyo, I think. Yeah, that, that 4x4 team is fierce, yeah, let thanks. me tell you. Uh, my cousin, Georgia and Moline, is training yes. partners with uh, Sage, obviously, and um, had my first interaction with Sage at the Cap Summit. And and she uh, she means business. Like, you know, I, I only, like, ever thought of her with the red lipstick. That was, like, really the only thing yeah. that I knew about her, and I just knew she was fast. Mm -hmm. um, and so it, it was really cool to get to interview her and, like, see how she thinks and be like, damn. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of reasons why 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 she's fast, and you yeah. girls seem or you women seem to have a great chemistry um, with you guys. Yeah, it's been super special. I think last year having all the relay camps, like we were together for a series of like five, almost it was like probably four or five months, like pretty nonstop, just going from relay camp to relay camp and world relays and world champs, and so just. I mean, we've talked about this, but when you care about your teammates and you care about the girl next to you, like, I truly believe you're going to run that much faster because you're just like, you really, you you want to perform the best for them. It goes back to those team sports, that basketball conversation, right? You're yeah. going to run your heart out for someone you just love and care about. Yeah. Uh, absolutely. And let's look forward. Obviously, Tokyo 2021, we hope happens. Um, but what in you know in the in the near future um what are you focusing on obviously you're coming off that injury um and so uh what does training look like right now and what are you focusing on yeah i actually had a, a great meeting with my coach about it this morning so this is perfect um yeah right now we're still running like about two or so days a week um just getting back into it running on grass and then doing some like hopping and some plyometrics to really get some strength back into the foot and then otherwise biking a lot um lifting two days a week. I think strength was a big focus for me. Um, just being able to stay fit and be strong were like the two things I could control, right? I couldn't control the speed aspect yet because not on the track sprinting. So it goes back to controlling the controllable. So um, getting fit and staying strong in, in the weight room and through some of those plyos. So we're moving forward. It's been good. I'm excited to get on the track soon. Oh, I'm sure it's sometimes so annoying, but so relieving how important the little things are. Yes. It's sometimes I'm like, man, do I really have to full roll at the practice? Like, yes, Nate, you, you yes. get tight. You, you, you have to, but it's like, sometimes I'm like, it's so great. And sometimes I'm just like, ah, oh, man, kill him. Right. It is yeah. hard to motivate yourself to do some of those things sometimes. <laughs> I have to like, I literally have told my roommates to help me keep me accountable. Like it's so, I'm like, hey, if you see me like just laying down watching tv like sometimes yes do that and don't do anything but other times i'm like hey you should could you like be rolling right now while watching tv like yes you know <laughs> absolutely absolutely and so now i have five rapid fire questions that are just kind of fun um mostly off track and field um and so the first one is if your life was a story or a movie what would the title be Ooh, these are rapid fire that is hard shoot i gotta be quick <laughs> um, oh, I almost want to say like day by day with Maddie Price or something like that. <laughs> love it. I love it. And this question is always hard for me. Uh, if you weren't running track, mm. what would you be doing? Yeah, that's a hard guy. I agree with you that this is a hard one for me too. Um, I think this kind of goes to what I want to do after track, like having some of the background in, in my business degree, a little bit of marketing experience and stuff. I think it'd be really cool to one, either like start my own company. Um, I don't know what that would be, but entrepreneurship is so interesting to me. So um, 
or two just like work for an amazing like marketing company like a marketing freaking um like I'm thinking of like a Nike right that's a sports company but they're really a marketing company if you really think about it right so like working for um a company like that yeah helping share some stories and get people motivated in that way Absolutely. Do you, uh, have you watched any of Gary V's content? Do you, do you follow him or anything? No, but I actually, I listened to your talk with Aaron Brown and Aaron mentioned him. So I like did a quick Google, but didn't get a chance to like actually watch any of the stuff before we hopped on our call. Yeah. I, I, f- I feel like you would like him a lot. He talked a lot about gratitude and like knowing who you are. So I, f- I feel like that's pretty in line with our, our conversation today. Yes, I want to look him up after this. I love it. For sure, for sure. And then number three, your favorite quote. I know you already gave us one, but if, if there's another one that that you like. It really stands out. Yeah. This isn't necessarily like a quote. I guess it is. But it's from the movie Ford vs. Ferrari. And this kind of reminds me of my dad. Um, but there's a part in the movie where they're essentially saying that there's this point when you get to 7,000 RPM in a car where you're kind of like floating and it's just like you're holding nothing back. And so I like remind myself, sometimes I'll think to myself or even write it down, like I'll write like 7,000 RPM because it's just that reminder of like hold nothing back, like go for it, give everything you got, like full throttle kind of thing. So um, yeah, like a nice little combination of a reminder of my dad and like going full speed ahead in the way that he did. Um, And then the the cool part of like when a car gets to that point it really is like floating it's at its best so yeah seven thousand rpm <laughs> that is so cool that's so yeah. cool um i've been listening to a lot of music lately so um what is a song that you've been listening to a lot a lot lately a lot lately oh gosh honestly it's so funny that the the spotify stuff just came out of like that's your, what made me think of yeah, it yeah played um spotify um, I'm trying to think a lot of mine was, um, H E R or her. Um, I like listened to, she has such a beautiful voice. So it's kind of calming, but I'm trying to think of the other one that I've been listening to a lot. Honestly, the song Ballin by, um, what is it? Roddy Rich. Yeah. You know what I mean? Is that, that, that's, that's the song. Yeah. That was like one of my top played songs <laughs> of 2020. So I would say that one I'm still listening to a lot and then the song king already by beyonce is just a great one so okay love it i love it yeah love it how about you what are you listening to uh i don't usually admit this very much but i love country music um so i listen to a lot of country a lot of like my mom is a huge in country so i listen to a lot of country music um i think um i love Jeez. Um, yeah, it's so hard on the spot. I love Garth Brooks, so I, I I listen to a lot of Garth Brooks. So um, yeah, just a lot of. I find that I'm so like just naturally high, just like crazy person. Yeah. So uh, we found to perform well, I need to come down, and mm. so country is nice and mellow. Yeah. So that's so, so true. I think I feel like for athletes, so many. A lot of outsiders would think that you just like are listening to things to get you hyped, but it's so true. Like I have to put in some like calming, like Taylor Swift or Vance Joy or something. Yeah. 
yeah it's uh yeah I, I guess seven summers by morgan wallen is probably a song that i've i've listened to quite a bit that just came out on his new album um i got addicted to tiktok just watching it and it, a bunch of people were singing it and i was like all right i'm just gonna start st start start listening to this in the background so yeah. um <laughs> look it up. seven summers okay yeah um and then last one is um funniest prank someone has played on you oh my gosh funniest prank that you're willing to share <laughs> yeah yeah actually i don't even know how this wasn't even that funny it was this is probably the scariest prank someone's played played on me and my sister but these are some of basically it's like my cousins that um they're like essentially brothers to me it's our, our family friends um ended up saying okay we're gonna go like drive out in the field this is like when we were younger and check out this old like haunted schoolhouse like because we're just kids on a weekend thinking this is a great idea to do so we'd go out we're driving we pull over because the car in front of us has like smoke coming out of it smoke coming out of it um and quote unquote and we end up getting there and they pop open the hood and as they put the hood down there's like a guy in a full like dirt like grim reaper mask with an axe like standing over our friend um and the kid driving the car like drives away and we're freaking out it's this whole thing and we come back and end up being our friend in the mask who was hiding in the trunk and oh my gosh i literally almost peed my pants so that was a prank that was absolutely terrifying less funny in the moment but like kind of funny looking back on it <laughs> that that is crazy yeah oh man pranks there uh unfortunately in college there was boys seem to play a lot of pranks on on each other so there's definitely <laughs> definitely plenty of wars for sure nice. um, and then i have i asked two final questions to yeah. all my guests and first is where can people find you oh great um on instagram at maddie priceless that's one um on tiktok actually i've gotten on tiktok also maddie priceless um a lot of videos on like training things that you can do and stuff on there um and then yeah, that's kind of it. My my website, uh, MaddiePrice.net. I haven't updated in a little while, so stay tuned. I am gonna try and re-up that a little bit. But those are the three. Awesome, awesome. Yeah, Maddie's website is awesome. The aesthetic is really, really cool. Oh, uh, so I, I enjoy that, and she's always always fun to follow. Always uh, creative with her content, so it's it's super fun to Appreciate fun to follow you. And uh, last but not least, what do you want your impact to be on the world? Ooh, Nate, come through with these big questions. I love it. Um, what do I want my impact to be on the world? Hmm. I think a couple of things. One, just like spreading positivity um, and like empowerment through sport would be one. Just like if I can inspire and like get other girls going in sport, like that would be one of them. Um, and then two, just like, that whenever I like did something, um, I did it with my whole heart, right? Like I would like that to be a legacy that if people remember me, um, did it with a lot of grit, did it with a lot of heart and really cared about the people that were with me along the journey and um, just caring about people and connection. So that's like a threefold answer because it's a big question, but those are my I love it. Yeah, I love it. It's, uh, it's so cool to hear everyone's answer on that. They're so, you know, all over the place, yeah. but also so similar in some ways. Mm. Um, so thank you so much for coming on the Shride This Girl podcast. I had so much fun chatting with you. Yeah, thank you so much for having me.
If you enjoyed this episode, leave us a rating on Apple Podcasts and subscribe so you get notified when the new podcasts get released. That's it from us here at the Strides with Grey Wolf podcast. Follow us on Instagram at Strides with Grey Wolf. Follow your host's journey to the Paralympics at Nate Grey Wolf. Remember, disability isn't inability.